Greetings, A Black Hands family. This is part two of the episode diving deep into Ava DuVernay's When They See Us. So only go further if you've listened to part one. All right. I don't want you to be lost. But if you're ready to pick up the conversation right where we left off from part one, go ahead and continue to enjoy. See you on the other side. We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Well, I mean, I also think it's, it's a generational piece because I like so one of our teachers, Gerald Dessis, he's our social justice teacher. You know, as you guys know, eighth, our eighth grade history class is social justice, where they study youth activism in South Africa and Americas. And he, uh, you know, sent a letter to families and just saying like, hey, you know, if you are going to watch it, it can be triggering. And when you talk about like, you know, whether it was the roots and seven, I was I was six or seven when the roots came out. And yeah, it was no question. Like it was a homework assignment actually from our school. I think they didn't give us homework that week, and our homework was to watch. To watch. <laughs> it was the same year. Had us, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, like that's how we saw something. That's how they do. Like this, is your homework. You're watching this. And I remember, like, it was the one time I didn't have to go to bed at the time I was supposed to go to bed because we were watching mm-hmm. the roots. And I watched the whole entire episode except the scene where um, Kizzy was going to get raped. Because my mom, mm-hmm. you know, years later, she's like, no, I didn't want you to see um a black woman getting abused and i was seven like and that was like how conscious mm-hmm. he was as far as mm-hmm. we didn't we barely watched tv anyway like you know that was called the boob tube and that's you know the enemy in the house kind of thing so it's like mm-hmm. you know we we weren't watching anyway but we got to watch it every day that week uh but Dessus, back to Dessus, he sent a letter you know just about you know triggering and it was just really interesting you know and of course i was like yeah this is you know it was a it was a fantastic letter, very well thought out, and you know he sent it to me and the social worker to kind of, you know, uh, get feedback about it. And he was basically encouraging families like, hey, if you are, if you do have your kid watch it, talk to them beforehand, during, and afterwards. Know that it can be triggering, and it was just really interesting because I was just like, wow, like you know what, my childhood, there was no such thing as this triggering. Like I don't that I don't think that was a word, or it wasn't a word that I heard as a kid and it was like hey you know what like all the things that our people can go through you're going to know about it and in retrospect it was just like a lot of stuff right like we weren't you know nothing nothing was hidden from us i don't think or a lot of things weren't hidden from i'm sure some things were right but um and today we're just trying to really you know i i, I read sometimes articles about like the impact of of our people seeing you know us being abused on social media, on TV, like just constant barrage um, and what that does and what it means. And, and how do you, you know, how do you, how does a child think about themselves as well as how, you know, how do they remain courageous and careful at the same time? How do they become, you know, smart? like as a kid, I never had the talk from my parents. Oh shit! Yeah. I feel like every day was a talk with my dad. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm talking like about the talk day. of. I feel like- I'm talking about the talk <laughs> of you know, oh, you know, if to help help uh, help them feel comfortable. If you get stopped, help them feel comfortable. Be super respectful. Uh, that talk. Yeah. I never had yeah. that. No, my dad had the opposite of that talk. But yeah, that's like what I'm saying. Day. Like it was just like no, like you know what? 
Like being, <laughs> being, you know what I mean? Like staying firm. If you're right, you're right. Like, da, da, da. and I'm just like, yo, that could have got me killed. You know what I mean? That's right. But at least was, you die on your feet. That's yeah. how they were. You know what I mean? Your dad was about that life. And I know Ray was trying to get in there too. I know Ray, uh, when, when, when Chris was speaking. I, I, oh Ray yeah, but wait a minute. I just want to say this. So oh, I didn't ahead, have to talk, but with my own children, with my students, I have the, you know, I'm just like, ugh. Like, I need y'all to be safe, you know, right? I need you to at least, and I think a lot of people in our community say, get home however you can get home and we'll fight it another day, right? Like those kind of things. Um, and so there's this constant battle. But I never had the, the talk as, as a child and as a youth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and with my own children, like, I, I'm, I'm always in between. Like, I don't want you cowering and kissing, you know, somebody's behind. And I want you to be alive. Right. And so like that's a, this is one more thing that, you know, a lot of white people and the people of privilege can't even wrap their brains around around just even parenting as a black parent, as a black father. Like how much thought we have to all the things we have to think about constantly, constantly. We can't just live. You know, you say like, yo, let me live. We can't. Nobody's going to just let us live. We have to kind of think about all of these things and deeply and constantly. Go ahead, Ray. Man, I, I I live in the burbs, and my son, he goes to a school to where he might be like one of maybe 15 or 20 black kids at the school. But I refuse to to let it. I mean, and, and, and every parent's dream is for their kids to grow up better than what they grew up. You know, you want to provide for your kids or whatever. But I, I can't send him to the wolves by not preparing him for life. Like, I, I don't know what his course of life is going to be, but he definitely needs to know that when he interacts with cops or he interacts with law enforcement or he interacts with like white folks in general, you know, there's certain codes that he needs to to abide by in order to survive it, in order to get home to us, his parents. And Reef, I like what you said when you were like, you know, do what you got to do in order to get home to, to your parents in order for your parents to fight your battles. And we definitely, you know, we definitely uh, teach him, teach him to do it that way. And there's still I mean, no guarantee, right? You can cooperate and still. There's still no guarantee, but I, I like, so, and one of the things that I was going to say about just this whole interaction, if we have all these parents and these parents are college graduates, it makes a difference. Think about it. In what well, way? What I do you mean, mean? Yeah. So yeah. if you, if you, so, so one of the major things, major themes for me uh, from this whole show is just like the under education of, of black folks that were in the show. Right. Because like if you you're more inclined to you're more inclined to ask for an attorney or to to do these other things and whatnot. If you have the resources to be able to say I can pay for a lawyer. So there's going to be reluctance when you don't when you're like, damn, I'm going to have to get a a public defender anyway. So let me just try to do what I got to do in order to just get out of here or whatever. Whereas if you have the resources, you're going to be like, yo, man, listen, I don't want this on my kid's record. I'm getting a lawyer. Don't say nothing. I don't know if I fully agree with that, though. And the reason why, like, I was a social worker for a long time. It's a lot of folks that live in privilege that got a bunch of degrees, but have that, that but don't have to deal with the police that also wouldn't necessarily just know, oh, I, I need to not say anything at this point. Like, I think that that's a little bit different, right? I think that, um, one, I don't think that these, like, were 
I don't think this was standard. Like, I don't know if education covered the type of treatment that these folks got, like if education would have prepared them for this, because this is outside the standard of education, right? The way that they're interrogating, like they're interrogating them worse than we've interrogated war criminals in like in, in the Middle East. Like, but, but it's not, it's are, not outside no, of the, no, the realm of class no. though. It, it, it's not I outside think, of the realm of class is. though. I, I don't think no. it's outside the realm of class, but I'm saying this, class. I, I don't know. I think if one, we don't know if any of those parents had college degrees. I mean, I'm sure we could find out, we can assume, but I don't know how different it would have been in that situation if that was the case. Because remember, there was one mom that pulled her kid out. You're not going to talk to my kid. That kid didn't get no statement. Mom, that, kid yeah. didn't, that kid didn't sign nothing. And where did he end up? He still ended up in jail. I just, I just, I just want, I, like, it, education is important. And I don't want to disconnect it from just, I mean, like, the, the way in which, like, human rights were just, like, not a thing but the question i wanted to ask each of you real quick before we got off into this like how old was each of y'all in 89 so in 89 i was seven how old were y'all so i was 11. you were in 89 oh no i'm sorry uh. <laughs> <laughs> i was like huh i was 21. okay um you was 21 what about you I was 21. Reed? i was 17. and what about you ray i was 12. All right. So like the other thing that you got to understand what was happening in 89 too. I, so I was only seven in 89, but all my research is around the crack epidemic. What was 89? 89 was the golden year of crack and crime. Right. So like, think about this, right? Like the I numbers heard of, it described as the golden years, but go it ahead. was the, it was the golden year. If you were in, uh, <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. It was I'm a golden exactly, year. If you was a no, no, crackhead. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you exactly who it was a golden year for. It was a golden year. If you were in law enforcement, because in law enforcement, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. so many laws and rules passed around how you could interrogate what you could do, who you could hurt. Right. So like in that time, man, like in 1989 by itself, like let's see overcrowding, they had 83,000 arrests in just Brooklyn alone, like just by itself, like an increase in that one. Year. So like, like 83,000. Yeah. Wow. So I, yeah, I mean, I can give you the whole That's passage. Insane. Basically cr like, just so you know, like crack played a role in 38% of the 1867 murders in the city of New York. Uh, in 1988, New York city spent 500 million extra dollars on drug related enforcement. Crack cocaine contributed to cases in which parents under the influence of drugs abused and neglected their kids with the growth of 2,600 cases uh, and 8,500 cases in 1988. New York's jail population grew from 9,815 in 85 to more than 17,500 in February 1989. So, right, like, Charles, Charles, I'm, I'm just, what? I, I know what you're doing, but I'm going I'm to throw, throw a curveball. Can I finish you know my point? Sure, I didn't know a point was coming. I thought you just talked. <laughs> I mean, I, I, everybody else done gave long-winded answers. I can't give my answer. Like, I can't give my comment. What, I, what I'm saying is, what, to Reef's point, he was saying, who is it the gold era from? I never heard that part as that. Like, you got to, we, this was, this show, more than anything, was an interrogation on the criminal justice system. Understand, this is coming off of Ava DuVernay doing 13. Like, she is on this thing around criminal justice. She was like, one was the documentary to give you facts. This was to give you a story. And like what she was saying was, is that when black people are involved, like whatever decorum, whatever rules or whatever there is, systems break down in order to attack black people. So my point that I'm trying to make is if we see it done so blatantly for 
the criminal justice system, I'm making the same argument that that's getting done in education, both at Brown versus Board and also right now on this assault on independent schools in which black people are the people that's trying to benefit from it the most. I'm just saying like systems have a way of being able to conform and contort itself when we tend to be the people that get the lower end of the barrel. But go ahead, Ray. Yo, I don't disagree with you, but I think that you could have made that point with 300 less words. <laughs> I okay, go ahead. I'm just saying, I just want to name fact. I just, I just don't think we was looking at the, the facts around what was happening in 1989. I think that like there was a lot of things that were happening. And again, it wasn't just those prosecutors that thought that them black boys was in it, that, that, that those black boys was guilty. Chris just said himself, he thought they was guilty as hell, right? Like there was a whole country that Bro. killed those boys before they got to jail. Totally agree with you. And like, and then what about you guys look at the self-hatred? Like they, they were, they were in, uh, incarcerated and they were saying, man, these people hate me. Like they, you know, they had kind of lost focus in terms of like how they viewed themselves and whatnot. And they were just thinking about just like how society views them. And I think that we still do that a lot. But then also to talk about y'all's point in terms of, you know, just circa 2019, uh, 20, 2019, man, it, it's the same stuff. How's it any different? Mm. Well, I mean, so let's, well, let's pivot then, right? Like, like, and so y'all, what do we do? Like, because this is why I didn't want to do this show, right? Because it's one of them shows where it's like, we're going to agree on how bad this is, how messed up this is, how, how unfair it is for black people in our country. Like, we know this stuff, like none of all this stuff we know, and this made us feel something. What do we tell people? Like, what is, what are you telling people that's listening to our show that's worried about their black boys or their black girls or their Latino boys or girls or whatever the case is? Let's like, like, what are we going to do? Well, I do, so, so let me just stop. Let me just stand on this real quick. What Ava did was educational. Uh-huh. So she has people talking now yes. for the last week about this that weren't right. talking about it the week before. Right. And as a matter of fact, in all of these years that since this has been a, a, a problem, even some of the dudes involved were like, nobody ever talked about this. When we got released, nobody even said nothing. Like, it wasn't like big news. When it got reversed, when our cases got reversed, it wasn't really big news. So the first thing I think is education and education through vehicles that people are w- willing to, to, to get on with. So Ava is an artist. And as an artist, she got an entire culture this week talking about something that they want to talk about last week. To me, that's number one. It reason. starts there, the arts, right? right? Not just entertainment, but using Not just it entertainment. Awareness, yes. awareness, Absolutely. consciousness, you know, consciousness building. There are people that are calling for the prosecutor's resignation and everything that she's involved with. The, the woman who prosecuted these cases has never really had to stand and face justice for what she did for railroading these kids. And in the last week, she's had to step down from boards. She lost her book deal. She, had to, she lost her publisher. A publisher dropped her ass, right? So, so, so uh, what do we do? Part of it is already being done. So I just wanted, that, that's what I wanted to start with, was like, so, so th- so that to me is a lot of work right there. One, <laughs> of the, was, one of the main things that we have not talked about, we have not talked about the Trump factor in 1989, when he spent $85,000 on ads Calling for the death penalty. Com- com- calling for the death penalty, basically convicting yeah. these kids. Yeah. And now he's president. So, president so, so, of the United States. This is how so, this works. So let's stick with Charles's question, though. So the first thing that I, I, I think is really important, I already said with Ava, you know, awareness, consciousness, all that. But 
education, we can't keep playing it off like it's just a side issue or mm-hmm. it's just our issue mm-hmm. or it's just a one trick pony or it's just, you know, one issue among many. Too many of our college educated people are out here talking about, well, you know, we got lots of issues. It's not just education. It's not just education. It's like the dumbest damn thing I've ever heard come out of an educated person's mouth. It's all education, that's they, dummy. That's because they have it. That's because it's, they have right. it. Right. It's the education, yeah. stupid. If our people weren't, weren't uh, uh, like the black brain is under attack and has been since slavery days, right? That's why you couldn't be taught to read by law, right? Wake up, dummy. Wake up. It's the new millennium and you still don't realize that education, consciousness, awareness is everything, right? Yeah. So yeah. the thing that we're fighting for isn't about policy or some stupid side issue or about charter schools or any of that type of stuff. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's like low rent thinking. It is about the intellectual development of black children. And, and what are we going to do about that? And that happens in schools. And Charles, you've made this point a lot. Like that happens in schools, but that happens everywhere else too. That happens in churches. That happens in homes and living rooms. And what else do you name? Like you would, what, you was in Boy Scouts or some shit? I don't know. <laughs> what, else, what else you do? Like, I don't know. You can name some other stuff that people do. The Boys the Club. The Boys Club. Club. <laughs> Is that like the Boy Scouts? Did y'all have to wear scarves? It ain't. It, the Boys Club is Wait. not like the Boy Scouts. <laughs> oh, it's not? Okay. Y'all didn't have to wear scarves and shirts? He wore do-rags. I mean, it's a different version of it. Oh, okay. I'm saying any community-based organization that gets a tax break to serve people. No, I, I, I 100% agree. Like you talk about like what to do. I think it's, it's, and again, it's a holistic approach of education. I 100% agree with you. It's not just, you know, I, I talk about my childhood a lot because of the school and the home connection was so tight and it was so, so aligned and you're talking about like a bubble, like I was just surrounded by revolutionaries 24 um, seven. But I, I think this idea of a political education has to be a part of, you know, everything that we talk about, whether it's within the school, whether it's, the, you know, your old head neighbor down the block that you listen to, like it has to be pervasive where we are constantly, you know, um, bringing out like political awareness. Like I, I think about Nathamus House, I took political science as a fifth grader. Fifth grade, they were talking to us about, about these issues and these topics and how we would have to have a, a po- strong positive racial identity and be keenly aware of how they viewed us, the system viewed us, and, and being able to navigate, um, you know, both of those. And so I, I think, you know, and all of this still ties back into schools. So whether we're talking about, you know, over-policing, right? When we talk about this idea, like, you know, what, almost 2 million more kids have police officers than they have counselors in schools, right? Like, so then they get, there's one more example, and that's, that's school, whether it's school, whether it's community, whether you know i tweeted out like this idea of rizzo when he was the mayor first he was the police uh captain here and terrorized the, the uh terrorized him terrorized black people so much that they erected a statue for him wow right so we, we have a statue of rizzo and yeah. where he terrorized like that's what that's what happens you become a hero the more you know the more native so wait, americans a cop? black people a latino cop. people you kill and abuse that's how you get elevated in this society that's, that's how it is. That's how you end up being president. That's how you end up being like getting statues made for you. But anyway, he talked about how, you know, he was so people talk about like, oh, you know, the uh, militarization of police is like it's a current day. This is the 70s where he said he had militarized his police so much that he could invade Cuba if he wanted to. 
This is a mm-hmm. police captain, mm-hmm. <laughs> police commissioner that's talking like mm-hmm. this. Like I could, I could. And now he's in the schools. Country. Now he's yeah. in the schools, right? You know, and so like this, this is the same one that that um, attacked, came out, came out of a party with a tuxedo with his uh, baton in his cummerbund. Was that the cummerbund, the, the belt? I don't know. Ask Charles. Tuxedos? <laughs> Charles wears those. He had a, he went to a party <laughs> knowing that he was going to attack, you know, like, hey, if those black kids protest, I'm coming out. I'm leaving the party in my tuxedo with a baton in my uh, cummerbund, in my tuxedo. He yeah. came out there and was like, get those black asses. But we know this, right? Yeah. We know this. Oh, so oh, it's not oh. new, but we know this. That's the second and, curse. But it's the a political second, education second piece has to continue. It has to continue. That's the second, right? second episode that you cursed. Who? Who? Shereen. Shereen. I did not curse. Did he curse? What no. did he say? What did he say? He said oh, black I, asses. I was, I was quoting something. Ooh, <laughs> Yeah. But here's, right. I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I just, I just, right. that we, we, and I know we, we getting close to the Bev hour. Bev actually, so. mama, Bev actually, taxi to my nubu. All right. But, um, but go, right. go ahead, finish your thought, brother, because we're going to start wrapping in, we're going to start wrapping up soon, but go ahead. You got all right. this. I, I, I remember as a, again, as a childhood, as a child. So Chris, I do think it's important that, you know, and even if you're watching episodes or at least talking about it, like with our children. Whether it's rural, suburban, wherever, I do think it's it's important, um, you know, because how even if you're in a bubble, it only takes one time, because biracial or not, they're going to be still looked at a certain way, and so, you know, like it, that's that's just my my opinion. But I, I remember as a kid, anyway, watching the sixty minutes episode, and they talked about how they extracted this confession because we're going back to like grown, you know, we're talking about youth. But this also happens to grown men. And I do think, you know, it's a race, it's a class, it's a privilege issue. But I remember as a child watching a grown man who had been connected to a lie detector. And they told him, the police told him, if you don't tell us what we want you to know, this is going to electrocute you. And it was a lie detector machine. And this brother did not know that. So he told them everything that they wanted to know. He was innocent. But he told him all this thing because he basically thought like, hey, if I don't say what they told me to say, they're going to torture me to death. Hmm. These kind of things, that mentality is pervasive in, in all of these systems. And we have to just recognize it. And so part of the political education is making sure that our children are aware of all the traps, all the, all the issues, how they're viewed, so that they don't grow up then thinking like, oh, this is such a surprise. I thought we were in a post-racial society. Like that's, if you have a political education, you're not going to think that way ever. No matter who's in the White House, you're going to be conscious about certain things. All right, Chris, what about you? What's your, how you want to wrap up on your final thoughts and however you want to go, brother? So I'll just wrap by saying, I think it's a struggle. And you just hit, it, hit on it a little bit, Sharif, in that, we have to strike a balance between educating our kids and uh, not making them have vicarious trauma. So when I looked at this thing, I thought to myself, there is a lesson here for me to teach my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know if having them watch it uh, is exactly the way that that lesson, that that pedagogy Agreed. gets taught in our, in our parental relationship. And I'm still on the fence about it. But what I'm trying to do is raise children who know the realities of life but don't take on a victim mentality, Mm -hmm. right? Like don't take on the mentality. Like I I don't want them to watch 
six hours of young black people being brutalized, right? And being treated uh, wrong. And then have the lesson that they take away from that, that blackness and youth equates suffering, right? I'm trying to, to train them that the world is jacked up and that they're, they're, they're above it, like in some ways. I don't know if that's gonna work. I don't even know if it's the right thing to do. I'm just being honest about, like, you know, I've had different parenting styles. But on this one, I'll just wrap by saying this. Uh, what I said before about this being an educational moment, like that, that art was the vehicle that even has us talking about this today and that it was so well done is a blessing. That's a blessing. Everybody should be kissing Ava's feet right now, just around how you can use your artistry to actually move a culture and have people actually talk about the real questions of life. Um, and I think we should do more of that. We should figure out more ways to do that, to get our people talking about the right things. Ray? Oh, Charles, you go ahead, because you're going to talk longer than anybody else. <laughs> He's not going to talk longer than me. So I'll tell you that much right now. It, I, I could see in his face he was waiting for me to be done. He was like, damn. I'm not. Come on I'm, now. I, no, no, <laughs> I'm look, I, got, I got two screens. That's <laughs> has my notes. No, go ahead, Ray, and we'll get it closed out, brother. All right. So I, first, I want to say I'm grateful for the opportunity to to talk about this with, with you fellas. And I'm, and I'm very... Uh, I feel like we're in a blessed predicament to have all these different perspectives in terms of how we're looking at this situation. Um, but at the same time, black and Latino kids are still under attack. And even though this artistry is amazing and it's causing us to have conversation, we still need to have ongoing conversation about the types of assaults that are faced by our race. That's my closeout. Um, I think, I don't know, it's tough, man. I I mean, I think people know that we got, I mean, education is important. Like we, we got to keep having conversations. Like I think everybody gave good answers. Cole, can you talk a little louder? Yeah. I think everybody gave good answers. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you going to keep doing the sign, Chris. That's what's up. That's, that's what's going to happen. I think I, <laughs> I can't stand these people. Uh, Yo, what is this got, Elvis Presley mic you got? We got it. So anyway, I'm not paying attention to Ray. So, and my final thought, my closing thought, um, I, I just, I don't know though, right? I, I feel like at this point, we should be having different answers for these kind of questions. I think people that was held in bondage and slavery was having conversations. I think that like, like, it's just, it's tough. I think people have been doing these things. Um, a friend of mine, his name is Travis Townsend. He wrote a book called When the Cops Come Knocking. It's like a illustrated guide for families and black folks like mm -hmm. and i remember when he did it and i was like damn that's kind of out there and he was like nah we need it and then watching this reminds me so um my final thought man i i, I just feel bad that we don't have a better answer because i don't think that the answer that i would give or that we just gave is really acceptable because that don't change nothing like what's the thing that we build and so people can like be safer or have money or not be as broke or poor as those people were that put them in that predicament or when things get bad like they didn't have nobody they was really on their own and we've always talked about how black folks is on their own so i don't mean to leave y'all on the somber note but i don't know bro we got to come up with some better answers well you know just let me yeah. challenge you real quick on that right now just let me challenge you on that yeah okay quickly Black people have lived in a puzzle for a very long time. And if it was easy to Absolutely. get out of it, we would be out of it already, right? Yeah. So there are no immediate answers. We live in a situation like we have always lived in an unanswerable question. That's what black people live in. They live in an unanswerable question that doesn't have a lot of hope at the end of it. So the best that you can do is struggle and be strong. 
right? And, yeah. and actually, and some collective action of some sort. But there is no easy answer. We have been lulled to sleep to thinking that the struggle is over and it's not over, hasn't been over, and it won't be over, right? I don't care how many cars we get, how many good yeah. jobs we get, you know, how many yeah, I, Boy I, I Scouts agree. we join and all that type of stuff like you did, you know. Uh, I, I never joined the Boy Scouts. <laughs> all I'm saying is, what I, what I, what I, guess, I guess my... He wants you to be in the Boy Scouts. I, I'm saying, if, if I could, if I would have. I mean, it sounded like it was... Did they even have Boy Scouts in Oakland? I don't even think they had it in Oakland. I don't Oakland, know. Did they? I, I, they didn't have it for me. So, no, they don't. You got a little pocket knife? <laughs> no, I don't have a pocket a, knife. A Swiss Army knife? I, I think they only had the Boy Scouts where there's trees. So you couldn't have had none in, in Oakland. I live in Oakland. It's named after the trees. But you know yeah, the trees that don't exist no more. <laughs> you know how to work a compass. But, I, I, but I'm saying, oh, man, I mean, watching this stuff, man, I mean, I think people think that marching is enough. Like, I listen, if somebody, if something happened to me, I don't want a march, yo. Like, I want you That's to do true. something. That's true. I, just, I want you to do something, man. I, w- I, don't, I don't want a Twitter. I don't want a Twitter hashtag. Like, That's true. You know, That's, West Coast Tupac said that's where they... They riot, not rally. So you know, I'm just. Uh, I mean, and it happened, right? Like yeah. <laughs> when, when when Trayvon Martin, when that when that stuff came out about Trayvon Martin, like some stuff got towed up, man. I, I mean, but it but it got towed up in Oakland. It didn't get towed up yeah, where exactly. the cop lived, right? Exactly. So I don't know, man, because I don't want this to be used against me and saying I'm trying to provoke riots and, and violence. I just think that we got to get better answers for these type of questions because you on your own. Like I wouldn't leave this podcast episode if I was a black parent feeling any less alone than when I started the episode. But hopefully, well, you know, hopefully, you know, you in a struggle though. Hopefully, yeah. you know, I, I you know. in a fight. Yeah, I've been, I, yeah. <laughs> I, listen, that's what I'm saying. I didn't want to watch. I told you, man, I went to both my parents was in and out of jail. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like watching this, like brought up personal stuff for me. Like I've been there. I've been there where like, you know, somebody try to hug you or touch you. And like the cops is like, you can't do that. Or like picking up that phone. And my mom's on the other side of that glass. Like I live this shit in a different type of way. Like I didn't want to watch this. I'm just saying this thing is here and the struggle is still here. I just, what are we, how are we helping people, man? We, we struggling just to make sure schools stay open for black kids. Like that's a fight that we got to actually fight right now. We actually in the middle of a dumbass fight right now that says that black parents have a right, not that they owed anything or whatever the case is, but they should have the right to choose the type of school they kids go to. And, and we get called all kinds of names. And, and Reparations but, 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 are, are owed. But yeah, I, I feel you. I feel but the, you. The craziest, the craziest thing about what you just said is the person that's like the number one catalyst behind that. Don't fight. do it. You about to, you about to be messy. You about to be messy. Yeah, like, do, do it, it bro. Do it. Do it. That is the number one catalyst behind this Say it. fight. Say it. Is about to take a cushy ass job at UK. Woo! That's cold. Name so the name. y'all have been listening to name the, the name. Wait, 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 but cold, wait, but wait, because I do, I do want. Y'all are just messy, man. Name names, man. I, as far as like what to do. So I, I mean, we already talked about the political education. <laughs> I think the the idea of staying vigilant. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a real, like tactic to stay vigilant and making sure that our brothers and sisters are also vigilant. Like I do think it's a combination of direct action. I think it's a combination of education, but also like, I I just want to end with like this. So Brown, Captain Brown, he was like the captain of the uh, West Philadelphia branch of the Black Panther Party. When I, when I saw him uh, a couple weeks ago, he talked about how when uh, Rizzo's folks were going to raid the Panther Party, there were black cops who called them and gave them a heads up. There you and so go. As, I, as I was there watching that, I was just like, there you go. 
I was like, where were the black cops to protect those children? There you go. The same way that we, we need folks to, to like, we have to, fl- as we're building our own schools, we at the same time need to flood the schools with conscious people to protect our children. We have to cut, you know, so as we're, we're black in America, like we, our children need to be protected. Our communities need to be protected. We need vanguards in all walks of society. We need vanguards. We need people you to ain't gonna like this. You ain't gonna like this, but I'm gonna say it. Like, say many, it. Of, many of our black educators and our black teachers, uh, they are virtually no different than their white colleagues. Yeah, I'm not talking about them. I'm not they, talking have, about the they have joined the system and yeah. they have become such a part of it. They are like the black cops. They're like Look, the black judges. They're like everybody else. From- and anybody listening to this who don't like that point, check yourself. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, when was the last time you disagreed publicly with one of your colleagues? They right? refuse to do that. They refuse They to do will that. not. It's a Did pink you line. One? You know, like you got the blue line with the cops. It's a pink line with teachers. I, I, sent, y'all, I sent y'all Terrain Walker's uh, quote a while ago. She uh, sent out a tweet, how to be a black culture gatekeeper, because I think it speaks to that. One, mm-hmm. grow up as far away from black people as possible. Two, develop all white social, romantic, professional circles. Find your blackness in college and Ooh. have the people in step two crown you spokesperson for the people you avoided in step one. Ooh. So we got too many of them. I'm well, damn it, I guess we're not closing out the show right now. So y'all can't no, talk. We, we, we just we need we to for Vanguard. Go ahead. Shout out, shout out to Corey Wise. After his uh a- after his settlement, the lawyers took their fees or whatever. He came home with three million. He just donated two hundred thousand to help fight wrongful conviction. Shout out to that black man. Yeah, that's, that's doing something. There you go. That's doing something. Well, you know, listen, we're gonna close this show out now because I know I'm Charles has been trying to get us. No, no, no. He, he's been trying to get us on track. Yeah. Y'all, I'm just saying, y'all brought the heat. Like now, the sh- I feel like the show just started in the last 15 minutes. So there is the magic of editing, brother. <laughs> editing is your friend. Editing is your friend. <laughs> Don't edit this. Man. Charles will be editing, but I got you. Let it go. See, it there go. you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Y'all get that, us in all of right our there. rawness. It's all good. But um, did y'all do y'all want to close it out? Or do you want to keep the conversation? It's going? closed out. Go. I think it's closed out, man. It's closed out. I I, I think uh I, I thank Ray for bringing this to the the podcast today. I think it was a good conversation. I'm I'm feeling what you're saying, Charles. Like I'm leaving without any great answers. There are no great answers. As a matter of fact, I think I I need to go watch this thing again. To tell tell you the truth, you know, I need to go watch it again. Watch it twice. What did did Dr. Fuller say? Extend the lines of hope and organization. If you think you're going to win in this lifetime, you're kidding yourself. Well, what he said was, he said, like, at some point in black history, black people realized two things, that they were in a situation where there was no chance of victory and there was no chance of escape. So the only thing that they could do is extend the lines of hope. And that's what I think we could do right now is we could become good ancestors to our descendants right now. Exactly. Right. We could become the ancestors that our descendants need us to be. But we're not going to win. We're not going to win in our lifetime. It, it, exactly. this, is not, this is not winnable, and we're not answering this question. But our grandchildren might. Exactly. Right? Our so grandchildren I mean, that's, that's how I, like, approach I would, I would, life. I would, my, what, what I tell you, like, I'm just passing through. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm going to fight for my people. That's, that's it. Like, I, like, that's it. 
Yes, so it. end it. <laughs> no, I, no, like I'm, I'm mad now. I, I can't you, just go to my family. Says, no, I'm mad. Man. We like, gonna talk this. A good conversation because this I, is like a James Brown song, bro. You never know when it I ends, know. right? You every, think it's every, over every time you put the cape on him. You know what I'm saying? He's walking <laughs> out and then you throw the cape, throw the cape off. But we yeah. back. But Chris said something. This has been an eight black hands podcast. No, 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 no. Because y'all said something and it ain't gonna leave on that, right? What we said. When I think when Chris says we not gonna win in this lifetime, like we can be the ancestors our descendants need us to be, right? But we not gonna win. I think that that leads to a different type of nihilistic, like. No, nah, it's not nihilistic. You win battles. You're not gonna win the war of white supremacy in your lifetime, bro. What I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if I'm a young kid and I'm just interested in what he had to say, then what's gonna stop me from selling dope because I want to live good in this Because lifetime. you're still telling him to win the battles. You win but, the battles but, against but white supremacy. Every, but everybody not gonna win the war that. right now. Win every, the battles. Every, every, every but battle everybody don't think like that. Every, everybody don't. Everybody don't think like that. Everybody that goes don't back think to that the political education. Earth, every I'm, it, it's not it just goes back to political education, bro. It, yo, Charles, 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 Charles. It's the community organizing. It's 2019. That's a solidarity in the struggle. It goes back to all of that. It's 2019. Who's still selling dope? They got drones out here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, who's still selling dope? I ain't, yeah. I ain't talking like New Jack City. Bro, there's <laughs> drones just, out just, here, man. There's drones out if here. If you told me as a kid, I'm just telling you, fam. If you told me as a kid that there was no hope, that like... All I could do no, was... No, you're saying no hope. Nobody I, said no I'm hope. Telling you what, I'm telling no you what hope. some people will hear when they hear that message. Just Tell them to you use some different tips because that's not you, what's being said. But you grew up in a... Listen, bro, you grew up in a different type of household. You grew up in a place where your dad basically told you, stand up to the police regardless, right? Like, like you grew up in a different type of household with a different... But Charles, but Charles... A, a people, life lesson. I'm just saying, people like... Say, when people say the struggle is real, that's a pretty mm-hmm. common thing for people to it say. It is. I think they're kind of acknowledging that they are that that they know that there's something wrong with the world and that they're in the struggle. Absolutely. And, and 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 I think they are so cynical to the point where they probably do agree with us that there's no hope of winning right now, right? That, that but that doesn't mean but but no, but no but right but nobody that I know of even the ones that you're talking about are like a be selling dope like they in New Jack City again. I'm not I'm not I'm just right right but like, even them they're not giving up. They're not like I'm saying, not saying they're giving up. I'm know. just saying if we don't give if we don't provide answers, if all we do is highlight problems, right? If we highlight issues and we agree on the issues and we know how bad these issues are and how long they've been going, but we don't offer a lot in the way of answers, people go out and they make their own answers. And sometimes those answers are ill-advised. They're not the right answers. And what I'm trying to do and say is everybody didn't grow up in the type of structure that Sharif did. Like, I wish I grew up in that type of place. I'm telling you that people with my last name that grew up in the houses that I grew up with would be like, oh, if that's the case, then let me go get it how I need to go get it. Whether it might not be drugs because it's 2019, like you said, but I'm going to get out there and hustle because I don't subscribe to that. I just need to do this for the next lifetime. And again, this is, this is where I think, like, this is where I think, like, and we just Twitter, ain't going to never like, close this episode because it's This great. is where I think, like, we put Twitter down, but this is where I think, like, there are there are things that happen when something like this comes up. It starts a brush fire, and people do start thinking about things. They start demanding things. They do demand some changes. Some of those changes are small, not big, but mm-hmm. little things do happen, right? I actually don't think it's as nihilistic as you're saying. I just think it takes little consciousness bombs like this to go off. They're not gonna have all. They're not gonna change the whole world. Not, like she's not gonna put out a movie and all of a sudden black people are gonna become extra black. And, and like, you know, start like, 
like, like forming, you know, uh, the, the black version of like, you know, like street consciousness gangs or nothing like that. That's not about to happen. But what, what does happen each time that happens is large groups of black people start thinking about something. They start demanding anything. And now they have a platform to be in touch with each other right away, back mm-hmm. and forth. Now, I know like it's easy, it's easy to crap on Twitter and be like, oh, Twitter ain't nothing, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, Twitter's getting people fired and caught and arrested and, and busted and out of jobs and embarrassed, right? In ways that we could have never done before. So I, I don't think that we're without answers. I just think we're without an answer that tells us where there's going to be an immediate victory, like where we're going to win. That's the answer that we're missing right now. That's not coming. There is not going to be an answer. So if anybody's listening to this right now and they think there's going to be an answer embedded in here somewhere that's going to win the game, sorry. Sorry. keep my head high. I got my wings carrying me. I don't know freedom. I want my dreams to rescue me. I keep my faith strong. I ask the Lord to follow me. I've been unfaithful. Hey, A Black Hands family. This is Charles checking back in. Thank you so much for listening to both parts of the episode focused on when they see us. We really want to know your thoughts. We want you to join this conversation. Let us know what came up for you. Also, if you chose not to watch When They See Us, which I fully understand, share that with us as well. What led to your rationale for not watching it? At any rate, thank you for always supporting us. Join the conversation, and we'll see you next episode. Peace. You have been listening to the 8 Black Hands Podcast with Ankrum. Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.